0: We'll
1: Welcome back to another episode of Aquarium Drunkard's Transmissions Podcast, our weekly talk show exploring pop culture through an esoteric lens, focusing on music, literature, film, and art. I'm Jason P. Woodbury. I edit Aquarium Drunkard, and this week I'm bringing you my talk with Don Bryant. Born in Memphis, Tennessee, Bryant was one of the premier songwriters at High Records, where he wrote material for Al Green. O.V. Wright, Syl Johnson, and his wife, Ann Peebles. He released an album called Precious Soul under his own name in 1969, but mostly stayed behind the scenes, barring a few gospel records he released along the way. But in 2016, he returned to making records under his own name with Don't Give Up On Love, released by Fat Possum Records. Fat Possum has just released a new one from Bryant called You Make Me Feel, Produced by Scott Bomar, it's raw and live feeling, but it also showcases the subtle lyricism and sophistication of Brian's songwriting chops. Before we get into my talk with Dawn, we want to remind you that Aquarium Drunkard is brought to you primarily by our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us keep creating Aquarium Drunkard's mixtapes, playlists, podcasts, interviews, features, and audiovisual work, Patreon is the way to do it. Pledge, support, and get cool stuff in the process. All right, without further delay, let's get into my talk with Don Bryant. We'll see you on the other side. There's so much peace
0: in my bad
1: Well, thanks for joining me, Mr. Bryant. It's a real honor to speak with you. I hope you are uh, keeping safe. Are, are, you, are you hanging in there okay with all of the craziness that's going on with the virus?
0: Oh, yes. Yes. And i got got family right here that I can hang around with. No problem.
1: Well, that's good. Well, You Make Me Feel is a tremendous record. Um, There was a 48 year gap between your first secular record, uh, 1969's Precious Soul, and now the second, and then, then you did an- another one, Don't Give Up on Love, in 2017. So, with only three years between the records, it seems like you're on a little bit more of a tear than you, than you were for a while. Did, uh, did finishing that last one up feel pretty good? Did it inspire you to say, okay, let's get in there and, and make another record right away?
0: I was uh working with uh uh Scott Beaumont, who was a band in the bou keys uh his his um vocalist got ill and uh he approached me to see if I would be interested in doing some things this is some games they had going and uh, and I said yes, and um, we worked up a few things it it worked out pretty good I felt pretty good back on the stage. <laughs> Yeah. So it worked out pretty good, you know, and uh, from there, you know, moved to the studio and what have you and to try an album and, and hey, I'm glad that I did. And cause it's my love, you know, I, I love doing it. Yeah. That was another opportunity, so I yes, I, I accept.
1: You spent most of your career writing music for other people, um, people like Like Al Green, Syl Johnson, you know, O.V. Wright. All all these writers, or sorry, all these artists, rather, who were on high records where you were a a staff writer. So you've... You've written hundreds of songs, so when you go to make a, a new record of music and it's going to have your name on the album cover, what influences you in choosing the songs that you want to sing? What what draws you to a song when you've written so many? You know how do you how do you go about selecting what you want to put on an album?
0: Well, uh, I, I would say you know there are just some some of the songs that you know that just stuck with me that you know. Um, that I liked very well, you know. The the situation would be, you know, anytime an artist come in the studio, uh, Willie would all Willie Mitchell, he would always allow, you know, let me know that uh, we're going to need some material for this uh, this artist, and uh, uh, basically, we, it was about two, three more writers around there that was working with me, and uh, we would just get together to uh, you know try to write songs, especially for that. That for you know particular artists, and I mean it. It felt so good, you know, just being a part of it. Yeah, uh, so I enjoyed doing the writing too because it took a it took a little time to do that, you know. But I was enjoying that too, you know. And uh, I guess it just kept building and kept building. And hey, I, I decided that this would be the thing for me for you know for right now because there were artists coming in. See, Anne was coming in, Phil Johnson and all these different people, they already had their things going. And I was trying to get mine going as far as artists. Uh and they always had something going and they always needed some material. So uh I found out though, you know, I felt pretty good doing that, you know, writing and what have you. So I just kinda of stuck with that and enjoyed that.
1: When you were writing for somebody like, you know, Al Green or Syl Johnson, would you have certain things that you, that were sort of the, your favorite things about their style that you would sort of incorporate into the songs that you were writing for them?
0: Well, yeah, because each one of them had a different style. And I would try to imitate, uh, you know, the style that they had, the way they would use words uh, or phrases or different things. I would try to stay that close to uh, the artist that I was writing for, and uh, and began to uh, uh, get a little bit easier and the longer I did it, you know. And and the it became it came out come off pretty good. Sometimes I would always have songs prepared. Uh, just in case somebody, you know, might need, need a couple of songs and, and, and it wasn't announced or anything. But I would always try to have something prepared to present when the artist needed a song, a couple of songs. I always tried to have something for them. And, and most of the time, you know, it worked out pretty good.
1: One of my favorite things about this record, You Make Me Feel, is the, the opening song is called Your Love Is to Blame. And... um and that's a song where you you do something that's very uh, clever and, and funny, you know? You take that negative-sounding title and you twist it into something that's that's very sweet. So you're saying, you know, you're blaming someone for giving you truth instead of lies or lies instead of the darkness, you know? Um is stuff like that a little hook or a twist where you take something and you turn it on its head in terms of a lyrical topic? Is that something that you, you sort of, um, you know, as a writer, that seems like the sort of thing that you develop over time. Um, was it always important for these songs to have a little bit of spark of uh, that sort of uh, unexpected quality for you when you, were, when you were writing for others and now when you're choosing songs for yourself?
0: Uh, yes, it was. Uh, you know, I would kind of, you know, study the uh, the artist and his style and different things and uh, try to do the song, you know, according to how he phrased different things or she phrased different things or what have you, and, and try to, you know, stay close to, you know, trying to sound like that artist. As I could, you know, and it began to uh, stick with me, you know, when uh, nobody was even there. You know, I might write a song for somebody coming in in a couple of weeks or whatever, you know. But but I, I just, I always had my head off into, you know, what, wh- whoever it was, I wanted to get off into the way they style, Get off into yeah. the style of how they sang songs and words and what have you. And it, it worked for me.
1: On this record, you sing a song called Don't Turn Your Back on Me, which you originally released in in 1965. What's it what's it like revisiting a song that you wrote that long ago? Um, did you find yourself surprised by by, you know, something that you had you had done that long ago and, and finding your way into singing it, you know, now in twenty twenty?
0: Well, I tell you what, you know, the songs that I write, uh, basically, you know, uh, I don't know. I enjoy uh, uh, writing the songs, and 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 a lot of times, just just singing the song even before I give them to anybody, you know, just to see the feel, catch the feel, and make sure that. Uh, I presented it to them in the way I was feeling, you know, once they did it, I guess, you know, they could change it, but I had to feel it first to make it come out and sound right, so a lot of times, you know, I would just sing the song myself, this is the way I would do it, you know And a lot of times they they might have some changes too, which
1: didn't bother me at all, you know. You you have such a large songbook as we've already as I already alluded to it. You know, there are so many different records uh, or different songs that you've you've put together over the years. When you listen back, do you have songs that you you don't like now? Songs that you wrote that at the time you thought, hey, that was pretty good, and then you you go back and you. Listen, you know, do do you ever find yourself a little bit uh put off by stuff you wrote back in the in the day?
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I did, you know, because uh uh we needed tunes and I have been doing a lot of writing. Uh, but we needed tunes and I would always suggest to uh, the producer. Uh, that, hey, well, let, let's, why not try, let's try this. Because a lot of them are still my favorite songs, you know, regardless of who did or recorded them or whatever they're still my favorite songs. And uh, I thought uh, to myself, maybe I can sing this song. I, I might not do it exactly like the artist that did it, but I enjoyed doing the song. It felt good to me, even just singing the song. And, and, and a lot of the things like that, I would just go around humming them because the melodies and the stories, you know, was uh, sometimes a part of my life, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'd find, did you ever find songs reminded you of, of bad times, songs that you had written at, at that point?
0: Uh, not really. Not really, because uh, uh, I don't know. I never did get off into that deep of, of, of uh, just uh, sad songs, you know. You have a, a little... Uh, I guess a little story about it that you know most people. I try to think about it when most people, a lot of people, go through some of the same changes. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. even the things that I had been through. You know, and sometimes I would be writing about myself.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some of the
0: changes I went through. You know, and I feel like that. There, there's possibly, there's a lot of people out there that's going through. You know, maybe the same changes, and uh, you know, it, it might be feasible for
1: them to uh, uh, receive. It's pretty good. You, you grew up with, if I have my math right, you had nine brothers and sisters, is that correct? No, seven brothers. Seven? And three sisters. Seven brothers and three sisters. Wow, so you had ten, ten siblings there. Um, and, and your father had a vocal group that you sang with as well. Were you, you, were singing, with your, were you singing with your siblings then?
0: No, uh, I didn't sing with my father.
1: No. Okay.
0: My father had a gospel group, uh, and they used to rehearse at the house all the time. And you know, we would just sit around and listen to them rehearsing. And I that had a big effect on me too. But I, I never did sing with it.
1: Did you? Did you and your Did you and your siblings sing together though? Yes, we did.
0: We we had. <laughs> had a great time harmonizing. We would do, you know, like uh, in the city at different uh, theaters, they would have talent shows. We'd go in, you know, uh, be on the talent show or what have you. You know, but as they got older, you know, they started drifting away going in different directions because the music that I guess they didn't accept it as strong as I did. But uh, they started drifting away. And then there were other uh, people in the uh, Guys in, the, in in the neighborhood that uh, love to sing. So uh, every time one of them would leave, you know, I would find one of the guys in the neighborhood, and we, you know, we just keep keep on harmonizing. We nearly every night under the uh, streetlight where we gathered, you know, we would just uh, sit around singing songs
1: yeah that sounds pretty incredible. You started your own you started your own gospel group not long after and, and um I wonder when, when you got started singing and you were singing you know music that you had learned maybe in the church um did you ever feel a tension between the world of you know sacred music and i guess contemporary music, soul music or, or secular music? did you ever feel any tension between those two ideas
0: um oh. To tell you the truth I did not uh, Because when I was Doing the gospel You know I was often too uh, Doing the gospel You know When I was singing The gospel songs And what have you uh, Secular music didn't, you, know, it, I, you know I still listened, But it didn't bother me About that And uh, You know It just, just Kept Situation just kept Opening up for me You know And then when being A part of of, uh, you know, just things coming kind of up, uh, being, uh, I, I just kept hearing here and hearing there and hearing you know, and I just really listened to all of it, you know, and uh, I guess when I, when I, when I got, I, I always worked to do some recordings and uh, I even tried to do some, some myself. Uh, you know, but I don't know. It just it didn't come off the way I thought it would come off.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, uh, you know, there was some that that would be other offers. Sure. To me, uh, from other groups, you know, to be a part of the group or uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I when I met Willie Mitchell, I had a group. Uh, where we were doing. Um, classical music and whatever and no uh, and meeting him that really was uh, the beginning of, uh, of my career was we meeting, meeting Willie Mitchell and, and singing along was
1: that the was that the Five Royales uh
0: no that was the Four Kings
1: okay okay so so you so you met Willie Mitchell and what did meeting him uh teach you about about Music. Uh, did did he have? A, I mean, I have to imagine that he had a big impact on the way you viewed making records and writing songs. How did how did how did Willie? How did his productions influence what you wanted to do?
0: Well, uh, the way it happened, uh, you know, there were groups around in the city that played at certain clubs. You know, was well known in the city, and uh, Willie had uh, the same thing going on. Uh, Something happened to the group that was working with him, and he needed another group, and he had heard about us or somebody that told us. So he asked us (laughs) if we would be interested in it, and uh, yes, we were, and we we started working in a group, you know, doing different clubs and different things. And as time went by, you know, one kind of headed in another direction and what have you. And, and I knew what I wanted. I was doing what I loved. And they kept going in different directions. I would pick up a, uh, another vocalist or whatever to join in, make it work out. And uh, the same thing would happen. So uh, when I found out that it was going to be hard to keep the group together, if uh, he... With the incident allowed me to, to start doing solos. And he did, you know, and, and that just built it even more so. Yeah. So uh, he, he he would always let me know when artists was coming in and would need songs and whatever, you. you know, did did the uh, the album on me and whatever, you. you know. I, I had my chance in that, but there were stronger artists coming through. That, let me say it this way, stronger artists. Started coming to Ann, Al, uh, uh, William, you uh, know, I wasn't there. Ov Wright different ones like that, and they already had it going on. You know what I'm saying? They they already had their their name out there. Uh, and my my, my experience was being with Willie Mitchell, and just being the lead lead singer. Uh, In right. the band And which I enjoyed very much You know But uh, It just It just never came off So I made the decision You know The writing thing Was looking so good You know I made the decision I, I like to write Also Because I still be Around my music I still be listening to the music I still be writing songs uh, You know That different artists would Maybe want to record So you know Uh it didn't really bother me that much because I was still within that same area that I was sure. continuously enjoying and growing in, you know. And, and uh, they say the, the catalog is, is pretty strong, I mean, pretty long. But uh, you know, I was just enjoying. Writing the song, that made me feel good to write a song that one of the artists out there was already well-known would accept and record. That made me feel good and made me push
1: on. Yeah. It must have been exciting hearing your songs on the radio.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, that inspired me even more. (laughs) Yeah. You know, because, like I said, I I was all just... Even when there wasn't anybody that needed, I was always, you know, doing rhymes and what have you. And, and uh, the people talk about their their situations and what have you. And trying to, on my own, trying to write some kind of story on it that uh, uh, I would think um, more than just he would uh, yeah, like the songs or what have you, you know.
1: You're listening to the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions Podcast. We're going to take a break to hear from our sponsors. The system supporting creative people is broken, and the COVID-19 crisis is making it more obvious than ever. Look, you get it. Creative people are navigating complex algorithms that put what's easy to sell over what's good. Patreon suggests there's a better way. They help creators build a more sustainable income source by offering a monthly membership to their most passionate fans, which allows people like us at Aquarium Drunkard the creative freedom to do what we do and the financial stability to help keep things going. In turn, fans get access to exclusive community premium content and the chance to become active participants in what we do at Aquarium Drunkard. So if you're a podcaster, video maker, musician, writer, or illustrator, if you're a creative person of any kind or simply love one, now is the time to check out Patreon.com. Head over to Patreon.com now and join the millions of fans and creators who are changing the way art is valued together. All right, let's get back to the show. So eventually a, a new vocalist comes in to the studio or, you know, to, you know around... And you've got Ann, Ann Peebles, your future wife. Um, what did you think when you first heard her sing?
0: <laughs> I thought she had a great voice and a great sound. Yeah. And uh, when Willie got involved in getting her started or what have you, you know, hey, I, I could see what was going on. You know, I knew she had the the, uh, the voice and what have you. And uh, you know when the situation came, different ones need different songs or whatever. The people in around the city was presenting songs to her to record or whatever. You know, and uh, I, I said uh, to myself, you know, maybe I need to try this and concentrate more on this than I would be, uh, on the singing because I saw what was happening. And, you know, I said, Hey, well, this is it. You know, she, she's got the spotlight now and I know she's going to need some material, you know, so that, that's, that's what took me in that direction. Uh, you know, real heavy.
1: You sing 99 pounds on this new record and that's a <laughs> song, that's a song that you wrote for her, you know, as a song that would sort of introduce her to people. Um, when you wrote that song, you know, what you were kind of writing a song that was going to explain to people, you know, sort of uh, Anne's whole thing, you know, her, her, her appeal, basically. So I wondered, what, what was it, you know, what did you want to get across with that song? And what was it like revisiting that song and singing it now?
0: Well, it was a, that particular song was a mixture of things. You know, it was a mixture of, uh, uh, of I guess, acknowledging uh, who she was. She, she wasn't but 99 pounds, mm-hmm. but she had a great big old voice, man, you know. <laughs> that uh, just this took off like crazy and being around her and uh different an artists at the studio all the time, she would even come in and and work on songs uh and ideas and what have you with me. And uh, you know, I just got uh, you know, used to uh, uh writing things for her because most of the other artists had their own material, uh out and different ones. And uh, I would always try, when one was coming in, I would always try to at least have one or two songs ready for whoever was coming in. And uh, when she started, you know, getting with me and having me with some lyrics and, she, you know, letting me know how she felt about this story or what have you. And she was having me with lyrics and whatever, you know, and that worked out fine. It just kept me going when I was always looking forward, with, uh, you know, to her. Uh, a recording because I, I felt that uh, I could write things that would interest her and, and help uh not help but uh you know show her talent.
1: Showcase it, yeah.
0: Yes, yes. Because I always when I wanted to write songs, I always tried to at least sound like the artist, uh, you know, uh when I was presenting this song. And it, it worked out too.
1: You and Anne, how long have you been married now? Has it been, has it been 50 years yet or, or very close, right? Ooh, yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Wow. So yeah, what, ad, what, what advice do you have for people who are interested in making, I mean, a marriage, but let's also say a creative partnership for that matter? How do you make something endure like that? What's, what's, the, what's the secret, uh, uh, Don? Don? Well,
0: uh, when, when when she first come in, you know, uh, it caught my attention. You know, but then she came in singing the way she did, and uh, I don't know, it it, it it did something to me. I just hearing her do these type things. She had a strong voice and a high voice, and whatever, you know, and and. Hey, it was always good to be around her, the ideas that she would interject into the music and what have you. And I guess, you know, naturally so, it just grew and grew and grew. And I wasn't resisting that at all, you know. But uh, (laughs) I travel around with her, you know, as a background, uh, you know, working, doing background and what have you, you know. And and, uh, hey, it just came to fruition. <laughs> and 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 uh, hey, it's still there. It's still there. I'm I'm glad it worked out the way it worked out. You know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, there are a lot. There are a lot of songs uh, inspired by her on this new album. So I wondered, you know, when you first played her the new record, what did she think?
0: Oh, she, uh, the way I was doing or whatever, might have matter but not been exactly and she said well you should have did this that way (laughs) (laughs) but she she always had the directions over here if i didn't really feel the way she felt it yeah thing was if i wrote it i felt it
1: yeah yeah you get to do it you get to do it your way now a little bit on this one
0: and the basic thing was, was that, hey, I was talking about her all
1: the time. Well, in 1973, you wrote a song with Anne and Bernie Miller uh, called I Can't Stand the Rain.
0: I can't stand the rain against my window, bringing back sweet memories.
1: Which, uh, was inspired by an experience you and Anne had. You were going to a concert, and it started po- pouring rain, and Anne remarked on that, and she said something along the lines of, I can't stand the rain, which sent you off, and you started writing. I read all about this in a great interview with The Guardian. You you wrote, or you said that, that you two never made it to the concert, so I was just curious. Do you remember who you were originally going to go see that night?
0: Uh, I think it was... Uh I think it was Bobby
1: Bland. Okay, Bobby Blue Bland. I believe that's who it was at the time. Uh, yeah.
0: And I, I might be a little off because it's been a long time, you know, but I think it was Bobby Bland, and he was at the uh, the auditorium uh, doing his concert, and we were going to go out and see it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But that stopped it right there, and, you know. And we got off into that song and, hey, we knew we weren't gonna be able to go anywhere. And you know what? Yeah. We took that song to Willie Mitchell the very next day.
1: Yeah. And well, hey, boom. Well, that song has become such a classic. Obviously, he what did he think when he first heard it?
0: I uh, evidently he must have thought very highly of it because the next, you know, that day we were getting the song together for her to record.
1: Yeah. Well, Tina Turner has recorded it. Uh, Missy Elliott famously sampled it as well. When you
0: first heard... That made me feel so good to hear all that and to see all of that. That really made me feel good. With it. it made me feel like I was on the right direction.
1: Because it, when, when you heard Missy Elliott's version in 1997 when it came out you know it made you feel good what did you think did did it did it sound uh, surprising to you because it obviously it takes what you you and ann made but then it also it builds on it and it goes in kind of strange different directions what did you what did you think of that song when you heard it
0: i enjoyed it because she took it and did it in her own way And I still enjoyed the song. She didn't bother the song uh, in my mind. It was was the story. And she had her own style. And she did it in her own way. And it made
1: me happy. Yeah. How does it feel knowing that this, you know, that was just a moment between you and Anne, getting ready to go to that, to see that concert and having the rain start. Did it feel, does does it feel strange knowing that that little moment inspired a song that has lasted all these years?
0: It does. It does. And, you know, when you're, when you're writing, you know, you're always looking for the song you're presenting and hoping that, hey, this is going to be the one, you know. And most of the time, you know, writing a song, that that's what I had in mind. This is going to be the one that's going to skyrocket. And uh, it just happened to be that I Can't Stand the Rain, Willie, when he first heard it, he said, hey, that's it. You know, and then once he added those little timbales to it, hey, that...
1: (laughs) Yeah, those electric timbales are... They still sound like they're from the future when I listen to it, you know?
0: Yes, yes. But, I mean, you know, they were always... Uh, uh when when, when Anne was always around if she had any kind of idea, we just me and uh, maybe a couple of the uh, uh writers would we'll just sit down at the piano and come up with ideas and come up with stories you know we, once we get the uh the story together, then we go into how to attack the story and make it you know feasible to uh uh most people. And uh, I enjoyed doing that. That that made me feel good to to, to uh, realize that hey, I can do these little uh, uh what would you call them uh, hits in the song. You know to make the make the song even not just the story, but the way the story was being done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, your band on this new record is led by Scott Bomar of the Bokis, who we who we referenced. Uh, what do you like about the way What do you like about the way he records? Uh, you know, how do, how do you feel about his sort of his, his his feel in the in the studio?
0: Well, I feel good about it because uh, I don't know Scott being a musician and what have you. I think Scott he has a, a very good ear to hear what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, with the song, different, uh, tones and whatever you're going to. And, uh, generally, uh, you know, we'll have rehearsals on the songs, plus, you know, especially the new things that, uh, who's And, and I, I liked, uh, the, uh, arrangements that he was putting on the song. We had some great musicians, you know, and I like the arrangements that he had been putting on the song. And, uh, it, I felt that, if we're gonna release the records you know then i hopefully I need to start getting ready for you know uh doing gigs and whatever you know and uh with the people that he had they it all came out great, right, you know i I'm still riding high now,
1: yeah. Was there a lot of, uh, were you playing live on a lot of this record? Was the band, you know, just kind of going as if you were in a live performance and you were singing in the other room? Or was that how a lot of this record came together? Or did you sort of build it together from various takes and stuff like that?
0: Well, uh, uh, I, um, the, the situation would be, you know, we get the uh, frameworks, and uh, Scott would get together with the musicians. Uh, You know, I I might have come in and sang with him, but he would get the, uh, everything together with the musicians, and and, uh, it seems to me like, hey, he was right about all of it, you know, (laughs) because they they all came out great. Made me feel good, you know, (laughs) but they all came out great. I enjoyed every one that I did. I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. Well, this, this record ends with a gospel song called Walk All Over God's Heaven, and there's a line in that song that I wondered if you could explain for me a little bit. Um, you sing, everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. Uh, what, do you, what do you mean by that one?
0: Well, uh, that was not uh, a song that I wrote.
1: Oh, I see. Okay, okay. Some, but that's, that's a, Is that a traditional song? uh yeah
0: that was uh that was a, a i don't know exactly who did that but it was just a, a traditional thing that uh, uh uh some of the churches would be playing or some of the groups would be singing and I enjoyed it you know uh um, I tell you one day when we was having uh you know, the the family reunion or the neighborhood reunion, uh, me and two, three of my brothers, that was one of the songs we, we would always sing, and they would always ask for it. Each yeah. year, they would always ask for that one song, you know. But uh, I don't know. That that was a song that, I for some reason, I just enjoyed the way the story was told.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: And you know it would be a thing that uh, you know you'd be going around humming and what have you, you know, and I did, I did a lot of that. But you know I'm glad that uh, Scott uh, decided to choose that song in the uh, in the album. But
1: uh... yeah, you spent so much of the last fifty years, uh, you know playing gospel music exclusively uh you know was it uh when you when you did release stuff it was gospel music uh was it important for you personally to put a a gospel number on this one did that feel like a an important thing to do
0: well uh i introduced it uh to scott you know we needed we needed another song and i introduced it to him and he you know he liked it uh hey that that was one of my, one of my favorites and uh, gospel and uh, if you know he said that he liked it and, and we we did I was glad to do it.
1: Do you think you might? Do you think you might want to record a, a gospel album with this band at some point, or uh, what do you want to do next? But now that you've got these records, kind of this new record finished up, where do you where do you want to take things from here?
0: Well, I don't know. I, I you know I would have to you know, look inside of me and, and, and see, what, you know, what I feel inside. You know, just to say, here, yeah, I'd like to go here or go there, you know, that, that I, I I wouldn't be able right now to say the direction I want to go in, you know, because I don't know if things are going to happen, you know, and I, later on, I might decide to do something. I don't know, you know, it's just one of those situations. I'm enjoying what I'm doing now
1: and, uh,
0: you know, this uh, time will
1: tell. Yeah. Well, well, Don, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me about all this. It's been really wonderful to chat with you, and I, I really love this album.
0: All right. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that, man. Uh, uh, I'm trying to hang in there, man. Uh, we, we ain't started on another one yet, but I know <laughs> yeah, in my yeah. mind I have you know, uh, coming up with ideas and different things, you know, write them down. And later on, then I'll go back and try to write the them you know. And that's the way I work uh, as far as uh, record, writing is concerned. But I'm enjoying uh, what I did on this one, and I'm just looking forward to, uh, you know, to see how well it's going to do. And, uh, hey, I'm thankful for another opportunity to be there.
1: Well, thanks so much, Don. I appreciate that so much, and I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday, okay?
0: Well, thank you so much. The same to
1: you. Stay safe, and and we'll talk again sometime.
0: All right. Be looking forward.
1: Thanks for joining me once again here on the Transmissions podcast. You probably know the spiel, but here it is once more. If you like this show, share it. Help get the word out. Leave a rating or a review on the podcast app of your choice, or just email a link to a friend and say, hey, I think you might dig this. We're available wherever you get podcasts and at aquariumdrunkard.com, where you can also sign up for our weekly sidecar newsletter, which features select content from the site, an exclusive book, movie, podcast, and cultural recommendations. And of course, tune in to Justin Gage's The Aquarium Drunkard Show every Wednesday night on Sirius XMU Channel 35. It airs at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. You can find A.D. on all your preferred social media channels and probably the ones you're sick of, too. And you can find me at Jason P. Woodbury. We'll be back next week with another late-night dive into the unknown.